Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 168. Let's wait. Wait. Go. Rachel, get a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot. Oh, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. I'm a street breaker. I'm a heartbreaker. This is my dog. I'm a mold breaker. Rick Flair, Nick Jaboy, about to seek and destroy. It's an SOW. Let me hear you make noise. Take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We are about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 168 of A Shot of Wrestling. I'm your host, at Michael J. Buddy, and joining me today, for the first time in a while, you get to see this guy's beautiful face, Pete Rosado, the voice of BCW. Buddy. Welcome, well, back, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Always a pleasure to be back. As you can see, I am a tired man today. Came in here with an extra large coffee to the studio. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's huge coffee. Uh, but, you know, it, I've just been a little busy in Vegas, you know, uh, trying to bet double or nothing. See what you, I see what you did there. Couple zeros, you know, get a, get a couple zeros on the on the, on the end of the ticket though. You want to get the zeros at the end of the ticket, not the beginning That's of the right. ticket. Tell me about it. Been there. How's life? How's it been? Got a new dog, right? Uh, six month old pit bull. Well, six and a half months now. Uh, beautiful little thing. Uh, rambunctious as all hell, but you know, great great thing coming up. You know, got a six six and a half month old pit bull. School year's almost over. That's right. So I'm gonna get a chance to still not be on the beach. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, probably finally get a, a well deserved tan on this body. Do you tan or do you burn? Depends. It so I I use a very special kind of uh of suntan lotion. Mm-hmm. I don't use anything that you buy in the stores like really? these. I, I don't because you don't know what's in them. You ever read the the ingredients on suntan lotion? No. You don't know what the heck is in it, man. Could be could be zebra semen for all you know, right? It works. You know, but I use Nature's suntan lotion. Is that a brand or is that a description of something? No, Crisco. Really. You go to you go to like Walmart, buy a big tub of it for like two forty five, okay. right? You know, slather some of that on you, and uh, you know when you when you hear yourself start to sizzle, you know to turn over. Oh, it's Kramer over here, it's yeah. Kramer from Seinfeld. You don't do butter, huh? No, no, no butter. Water. Butter's too expensive. It is very expensive. You go get like I said, get a big tub of Crisco at the Walmart for like two dollars and forty five cents. Yeah, the thing will last you four years. I'm about to give this a shot. See what happens. Listen, I'm telling you, it works. It works. Listen, here's what I know: sixty percent of the time, it works. Ninety percent of the time. Thanks, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Anchorman, you got to see. I'm very disappointed in you now, buddy. We move on to the next segment of the show. I, I'm. I. I, I need some. I, I need something. Let's start the show. You always start the show this week. Wrestling replay. Guests pick Roy Rumble, January nineteenth, nineteen ninety two, from Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. Remember, crowd of seventeen thousand. The new foundation, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Owen, defeated the Orient Express in 17 minutes, 18 seconds. Roddy Piper defeated the Mountie to win the Intercontinental Championship in 5 minutes, 22 seconds. My boys, the Beverly Brothers, defeated the Bushwhackers in 14 minutes, 56 seconds. The Natural Disasters defeated the Legion of Doom via countout in 9 minutes, 24 seconds. And in your main event, Ric Flair won the Royal Rumble for the vacated WWF World Heavyweight Championship in 1 hour, 2 minutes, 2 seconds. You know what's funny on that, on that card, Putty? It had three tag team matches on the main card of the show. And, and we talk so much about how tag team wrestling has changed, especially in the realm of the WWE. Absolutely. And to have seen natural disasters, 
Beverly Brothers, The Orient Express, which is uh, Mr. Tanaka's, Pat Tanaka's second successful tag team. Because remember, he tagged in Mr. Fuji for a long That's time. Right. Uh, the, the new Hart Foundation, obviously, Brett had split from, uh, from Jim at the time. The Bushwhackers. You're seeing a bevy of great teams at that time. And, and, and it continued for a while in, in the WWE. And, and we, to look at where we are now with tag team wrestling, it's just very sad. It's also weird that there were so many women tag teams that they made a tag team titles for them. They even competed in an elimination chamber. Yet there's none, none around anymore. No, no, no. Because they were all created for the sake of that match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of, of that championship. And don't get me wrong. I, I love the fact that we have the most iconic Women's tag team champions of all time. Of all time. Longest, uh, longest reigning. Yes, this is very, very true. Very, very true. But it's they're gonna it's it's pushed to the wayside. I mean, you really don't have women's tag teams that just not brought onto the main roster like that. Like even Asuka and Kyrie Sane were kind of like thrown together. Yeah, what happened, what happened to them? You know, the Kabu- again, Kabuki Warriors. Yes, the Kabuki Warriors. Horrible name. I hate it, but you know what? What, what do we know? Right? Let's get to see Paige on TV. Did you hear about this at the uh, Super Showdown? Apparently, there was a bit of a rumor going around that the Saudis were trying to convince WWE for Hulk Hogan to win the Royal Rumble match or the Rumble match that happened at, at, at Super Showdown. Oh, the Battle Royal? Yes. Oh, really? No, I didn't hear that. Apparently, there was a bit of a rumor going around that the Saudis were trying to convince WWE for Hulk Hogan to win the Battle Royal. So they got Mansoor instead. Come on. Well, I mean... It made more sense with Mansoor because Mansoor is is from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that made sense. You know, so that makes sense. I mean, they're about 10 years behind everything. It kind of seems out there when it comes to professional wrestling. So to them, Hulk Hogan's still in his prime. You had Hogan and, you know, the the Goldberg and and Taker match and stuff. But yet we still can't get Sting and and Taker. No. I'm sure that's next year or next November when they're coming up. I don't know. I hate it, those trips. Even if they can go. I don't know if they can go at the t- that point, but maybe yeah. they'll be able to learn their lesson. No. For that kind of money? For that kind of money, they will close every eye and not see a darn thing. But I wonder if... If that match is going to happen, it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. And the sad part about it is every trip you're seeing more and more stars saying they don't want to go. Yep. Also, what really sucks is that's not an easy trip to take. It's a long trip. Oh, yeah. These guys went over there to, what, last a minute in the Battle Royal? That sucks. But listen, you know the money's good when it was enough to get Shawn Michaels out of retirement. That's true. For one match. Well, I think Goldberg, the rumor has made $2 million. I believe, I believe. And listen. So I'm assuming Shawn Michaels was something similar. If I'm them, and you're telling me, wait a minute, I get to go work a match in Saudi Arabia, whatever, you can fly me first class, whatever, whatever. I'm making what? What kind of, $2 million for a match? Oh, like, I'll do it. 15, 20 minutes, yeah. I'll do it. And I, I don't know if anybody caught it. But when Sean and, and take uh, Sean and Trips took on uh, the Brothers of Destruction, I believe it was the first Saudi Arabia, second Saudi Arabia second show. One. There was a camera angle of uh, Sean and, and Hunter laying on each other in the corner, and Sean kind of mouths to Triple H, he's like, "We're too old for this." Yeah, basically, we had a lot of like, ring rust. I mean, Triple H is still in good shape, but Shawn Michaels hasn't wrestled him. Hunter, Hunter, I, I mean, that man. I don't think he ever takes a day off in the gym. I don't think so. But I get it, you know, and here's the funny thing. There's a gym in his house, like how can he? You now get what Shawn Michaels was saying. Like there was a point where Shawn Michaels did an interview and he said that I don't want to come back 
and not give the fans the yeah. Shawn Michaels that they're going to want and they're going to expect. Mm-hmm. There's an expectation when Shawn Michaels walks into that ring because of the credibility that Shawn Michaels has. Absolutely. That makes sense. And That's when you get point. into that ring, the fans and everybody are going to be expecting... Showstopper. This, right. They're going to the expect Mr. WrestleMania, the showstopper. And even himself, Sean says, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to deliver because that's who I am. And when he figured, well, I can't do that anymore. I'm stepping away. And he said, I didn't want to come back and not be able to do it. And what happened? He came back. And don't get me wrong, it was a solid match, but he wasn't able... I guess, to deliver. But I think that's also why Sean did it. Because Sean knew he didn't have to be that Sean Michaels. That's true. In Saudi Arabia. If this had been like a match in, at WrestleMania, I think Sean would have probably turned it down. Yeah, probably. You're right. Good point. British Bulldog coming in number one in the 92 Rumble. And I was telling you this. We were talking earlier before the show, Putty, about how Bulldog only really spends about 23 minutes in the Rumble. Right? There are about three other guys, not counting Flair, who eventually wins the Rumble. Uh, but IRS... Randy Savage, uh, and, and I forget someone else who spends. Oh, Roddy Piper spends a lot more time than Bulldog in the Rumble. But the way that Bulldog carries himself for that twenty-three minutes that he's in the Rumble, it feels like an eternity is in there. And in my opinion, I remember watching this Rumble again as an adult for the first time and saying to myself that the British Bulldog, in my eyes, made himself a star in this Rumble. Really. You got to remember the 92 Rumble, if you really look at the names in this Rumble, was probably one of the most star-studded Royal Rumbles from start to finish. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you had your Virgils, you had your Berserkers, your Herculeses, but look who's starting the Rumble, putty. It's British Bulldog and the Million Dollar Man, who, by the way, in my opinion, one of the best heads of hair ever. That's in true. professional wrestling, that's true. It's a good point. <laughs> you know that is a, that is a uh, that is a great head of hair for the million dollar man. I always admired his beard. I never mind his head of hair. Yeah, you make dude, it, it barely moves. Look at it. <laughs> it's so great, and there's like no product in it, but it's just it's like super duper curly and long down like the base of his neck, but it doesn't move. It's great. It's like perfect eighties hair in the nineties. Right, but you look at you know DiBiase, Bulldog, Flair, Hogan's in this Rumble, Taker's in this Rumble, Sid Vicious is in this Rumble, Roddy Piper's in this Rumble, right? And that's not even going through everybody on on, on the list that's in this Royal Rumble. And so Savage was in it, Jake the Snake was in it, so... Shawn Michaels. Michaels was in it, so there was a lot that went on in this Rumble in terms of the, the number of stars that were in it. Let's talk about with you. I recently found out that they wanted to keep the Million Dollar Man in character, so they gave him all his money so he could go, can go to a bar or restaurant and pay everybody's tab. Yes. Genius. Actually, right. very true that they would, uh, Vince would give the Million Dollar Man a, a certain amount of money, and they would tell him to go to different places, and when he would go, he would have to be able, like the Million Dollar Man had to keep character. He had to, had to pay for everyone's meal and things like that. Which I agree with you, one hundred percent genius. By the way, obviously we we're you know we have this on uh, on very low sound here in the studio. But if you get a chance to watch the ninety two Royal Rumble, realize this: probably the best commentary job by Bobby the Brain Heenan, because Bobby the Brain Heenan, from the moment Ric Flair walks into this ring, is so biased towards <laughs> Ric Flair the entire match because he's obviously Flair's. Manager and representative, basically the Heyman for yes, Flair sir, back yeah. then. And there's points in the match where, uh, and, and if you watch it, when Roddy Piper comes in, uh, everybody in this match, by the way, everybody that comes in after number three, they go right for Flair. 
Really? Okay. They go right for Flair. And so Piper comes in, and he goes right to Flair. And Bobby Heenan's on commentary bashing. Bashing. Says, oh, he's wearing a skirt. This man's wearing a skirt. You can't trust him. Da-da-da-da. And then there's a point where I think, I forget who the next entrant is. They come in, and Piper goes after them and stops them from beating up Flair. And all of a sudden, you hear Bobby Heenan goes, I always loved Piper. It's a kilt, not a skirt. It's a kilt. Awesome. And then two minutes later, when Piper goes back to popping on Ric Flair, Bobby Heenan back again being a heel. I never liked this guy. Awesome, yeah. Bobby was the best. And, and to think, they were doing this commentary from backstage. Were they? So, do you know that that's why it's called the gorilla position? I knew it was in honor of Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. Because that's where Gorilla would do commentary. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Gorilla would do commentary from behind the curtain in what is now known as the gorilla position. That's true. To think, there is no commentary table ringside. There is no commentary table on no ramp or anything. Mm-hmm. Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan are essentially backstage in what we now know as the gorilla position, watching this whole rumble on a monitor doing commentary. Do you know why that happened? Do you know why they did that? I do not know why. I was curious. Hmm. Well, I think you know the idea of a commentator is to, is to, be, to be heard, not seen. Mm, that's true. Right. You don't really need to see the commentators. And now, obviously, commentary and the commentary tables are used more as a prop. Yeah. Right? They're ringside. Oh, we can break a table. Mm-hmm. That's true. Raw, they're smart. They, we're going to go all the way up on the ramp and be safe 90% of the time. 90, yeah. If that's. Until someone comes up here, you Breaks know, just breaking our crap. So, Putty, I got I to gotta, I gotta ask you, because uh, we haven't spoken in a while. I'm, I'm assuming... You watched Double or Nothing. No, I did not. You haven't watched it yet. No, I was at a wedding, so I couldn't watch it. Have, and what has stopped you from watching it since? Is it available anywhere? I'm not... I mean, there's a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. I, I saw uh, Cody Rhodes, that cheap thing, Breaking the Throne. I watched that. You thought it was cheap? I thought it was very, very. I thought it was. I thought it was inventive. I saw that sob fest between Dustin and Cody at the end. You're my brother. I need you to take on the world. Well, you know what that record. was, right? No, what? So, do you know about the iconic promo? The iconic, definitely. No, everyone knows about the iconic. You should. <laughs> uh, no, the iconic promo in WCW. So, Dusty Rhodes, Dustin at the time, had put his name on on a contract for a tag team match, and he didn't have a tag team partner. Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Robert Parker and Arn Anderson, all these guys were kind of like fucking around with uh, Dustin at the time, and Dusty comes back. And there's this big, big fight, big thing. And then all of a sudden, Dusty's in the ring and he cuts in what, in my opinion, is probably the, the most iconic Dusty promo. I mean, there's hard times, there's all these mm-hmm. NWA promos. But in my opinion, the best Dusty Rhodes promo was this promo with, with Dustin, where he basically tells Dustin, first off, he runs through everybody, runs through Terry Funk, runs through Arn Anderson, runs through all these guys. And he tells Dustin, he says, I want to I wanna ask you a favor. In front of God and the whole world, which of course is the same line that mm-hmm. Cody uses, yeah. you know, in, in front of God and the whole world. He starts by telling Dustin that essentially he apologizes. He says, because when I became world, when you were born, I went out to go ply my trade and I abandoned you. And then I became world heavyweight champion and I abandoned you. And now I've become some kind of corporate cowboy. And again, I abandoned you. And it leads to him essentially telling Dustin that he doesn't want him to look for no partner. He doesn't want him to beg anybody to be his partner. But if he can carry this old, out of shape, beat up, spindly leg old man, then Dusty would want to be his partner. Hmm. And the funny thing is the crowd pops. 
and you would think that's what you want. Dusty, and the only time I've ever seen this in my life, Dusty puts up one hand to the crowd and just puts it down. Hmm. And the crowd goes quiet. Wow. I mean, deadly quiet. And he goes into this whole thing and he says, you know, this family's in the crowd. You know, the Kennedys of blood, the Earps of blood, the Rhodes of blood. So I don't need no, no handshake from you to seal the deal. What I need right now is a hug and a kiss from my son. And then they, they hug in the middle of the ring and stuff like that. And so the Cody Rhodes promo from Double or Nothing no, makes sense. mirrored yeah. the iconic Dusty promo uh, in, in many different ways. When he basically said, you know, first off, you know, I, I have something to ask you in front of God and the whole world. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of telling yeah. him, I need, very, my, I need my brother. Very niche then. Not many, not many people caught on to that. Well, you, if you're, if, 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 if you're a wrestling fan, if you're an old, if you're an old school tried and true wrestling fan, you're gonna catch in, catch on to that. Especially if you're a Rhodes fan, but you know that's what's great about Cody. Cody is so steeped in old school wrestling. Beyond the fact that Cody Rhodes is the son of Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes grew up in this business, grew up among the greats, and one of the things that I love about what Cody Rhodes looks at and what he sees. Is in a way, he looks at pro wrestling through the lens of this generation while also looking at pro wrestling through the lens of his father's generation. Because back in the days of Dusty Rhodes, the NWA and early WCW and stuff like that, you needed to do one very important thing to be on shows. What was it, Michael J. Putty? You had to sell tickets. Oh, draw, yeah. You had to put butts in seats. You had to draw. Did you draw money? Did you put butts in the seats? And no one can deny... That Dusty Rhodes put butts in seats. And I think one of the things you see with AEW is they're looking at who can put butts in seats. And that's why you see these signings like a Jericho. That's why you see the Lucha Bros and the, and the Bucks as a match. That's why you're seeing the John Moxley. Why? Not because they're great, because they are, but because they put butts in seats. I'll give you two minutes here. Your thoughts on AEW. Is it going to be the... Next best thing. Are they competition for the WWE? They haven't been on since AEW started. I think AEW, on a theoretical level, they have the money to be competition. Mm-hmm. Right? They Absolutely. have Tony Khan and his father, Saad Khan, billionaires. They have the money to be They have, in my opinion, the management structure to be uh, successful. I've met Cody Rhodes on a, on a couple of occasions. I think about two or three times. We've spoken a couple oh, sh- of times. Sorry, you you just dropped the name on the floor. I don't want, oh. don't want to pick that up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've, you know, we've spoken a couple of times. The man is a genius. I have met, known, and have conversed with the Young Bucks on many occasions. That's two names you dropped on the floor. It's actually three, because both Young Bucks, Matt and Nick, mm-hmm. right? Those two guys are geniuses. I mean, people think that they're just these flippy guys, right? No, yeah. these guys are geniuses. Dive, dive. Right, right. Omega is a genius just simply because of the fact that what he has been able to do and have such a great career and never really... St- I mean, he's been in WWE developmental before, but never really a step foot in the WWE, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a lot like in AJ Styles, these guys, Omega and them, uh, had careers where they didn't need the WWE, right? And then you look at who's backstage. Jerry Lynn... Dean Malenko, Billy Gunn, not only guys who have been there, right, but guys that are just successful and understand how this works. So from a management structure... Aren't Anderson there yet? Officially, no, but he, he, you know you know they have interest in him, and I'm just waiting for that day. For that day. 
Are these guys putting all their eggs in one basket, though, living up to the hype? This is going to be the next. It's going to be the next WCW, or do you think it has? It can live up to that hype. I mean, I don't want to call it the next WCW because WCW went out of business. Oh, okay, right. Enough. I think AEW will be the first AEW. Okay. Right. One of the things we know is that the WWE is susceptible to people being turned off by it. It happens at very high rates, right? Mm -hmm. We see what's happening with house shows. We see what happens. Listen, WWE draws money. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They they got it. They're the number one game in town. They they are Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey. (laughs) Okay? But to me, honestly, I don't think it's the fans that determine whether or not AEW is going to be a success or not. I don't think it's the money. I don't think it's the management. I don't think whether or not it's that they promote something different than WWE. I'm honestly going to tell you what's going to make or break AEW. And right now, I think, is making it. And in my opinion, is the reason why I say AEW will be wildly successful is the wrestlers. Roster, yeah. Not the roster. How many people have we heard, whether it be rumor, substantiated or not, is unhappy with their position in the WWE? We don't have that much time. Right. And that's just the people we've heard of. How many people you think are good professionals sitting back there and biding their time? A lot more than that. Right. So John Moxley said in his interview, okay, John Moxley said it straight out. He knew he wanted out. He made the decision. He told Vince and he waited out his contract. He didn't ask for his release or anything like that. He waited out his contract and when it was done, he left. He did business the right way. And there are a lot of guys who are back there who are probably going to do that. Here's where it affects WWE. We've seen John Moxley for former Dean Ambrose leave, and now he's on AEW. And everywhere else, apparently. Jericho's there. Yeah. Okay. The former Ty Dillinger, now known as Sean Spears, is there. How many other people? Uh, we, we've heard the rumors about the revival. Yeah. Right? The good brothers. The, the almost never-ending rumors. Right? We heard rumors about AJ Styles. Mm. I'm waiting for the rumors on Gallows and Anderson. Those are the started already. Right? Yeah. No, but, but for Japan, yes, but not AEW. Here's the thing it's not the main roster WWE has got to be worried about. Mm. That's a good point. I thought about that way, yeah. I honestly believe. The misused guys. No, not. I don't even think they're the biggest, pro- they're the biggest ones to worry about. Which are then? The people in NXT. Mm. Okay. How many people are signed to NXT contracts? Okay, that haven't been on TV yet, mm-hmm. that are not being used in NXT. And I look at Juice Robinson, the former CJ Parker in NXT, yep. who's killing it in Japan, right? Yeah. How many guys like him are in NXT and are looking at this and are saying, you know what, I don't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to eventually get to the main roster and then fail there knowing how great I am in NXT. Because we all can admit that the NXT product is different from the main roster product. And there are so many guys, uh, Tyler Breeze, the list goes on and on and on, wildly successful in NXT, whether it was for presentation, fans, whatever. They go to the main roster, they're either mishandled, misused, micromanaged, whatever. Whatever the reason is, they're not as successful on the main roster as they are in NXT. How many of these guys that are signing NXT contracts that are going to say, you know what, I maybe I want the freedom now? How many people are going to say, you know what, thanks but no thanks? And, and I think that's the bigger question. How many of these independent professional wrestlers who are coming off the indies, right? Because I think, what, in the last six or so classes, they've signed maybe you know two or three big-name independent wrestlers in every class mm-hmm. in NXT? Yeah. Pretty much. How much space do you have? 
And how soon before these guys start to say, you know what, maybe I, I don't want to go past NXT or I want to go see what's out there first. And that's where I think it's the big one because there is a different beast working the independents. And that is what you see. These guys create their own promos. These guys sell their own merchandise. They have to control their character, create their character, sell their character, everything. And then all of a sudden you're getting to a machine who's taking control of everything. And now you don't get to be yourself. And that's what we heard out of the former Dean Ambrose. Mm -hmm. He was just tired of not being himself anymore. And so I wonder how many independent guys, how many guys on the indie scene are now no longer going to look at WWE and say that's where maybe the option is, AEW's the option, right? That, I think, is the biggest thing. We'll end it there because we can talk all night about this and it's way, way over. Before we get into some news, let's, let's give you a treat. Greenman and I recently found this band out, the B-plus players. Have you heard these guys? I have not. They do a whole, all their music is wrestling themed. And I heard the song on Monday night. It's been stuck in my head all week. So my gift to you is this earworm. Shawn Michaels was a rocker by the B-plus players. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. For in the news with Michael J. Putty and Pete Rosano. All right, Pete, you ready to get into, uh, in some news besides you buying some pins? Listen, uh, do not do not hate on my pin collection. I do not. I love it. I'm jelly. Okay, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what pin to wear on June 28th. I'm sure you'll find one. One? You seen my boards? You saw my Batman board not too long ago. Yeah. Let's get to the news. The good news. Wrong words, my friend. Not the, not the type my bank account doesn't like. Shortly after his match against Finn Balor, we learned the news that Andrade's mother passed away. I mean, it's kind of awesome that she stood, she hung out to watch her son. One of his highest matches of his career, in WWE anyway. Andrade's great. And uh, I, I my, my condolences go out to Andrade and his entire family. I could never imagine what it'd be like to lose, uh, lose your mother, especially knowing that you're halfway across the world. Yeah. At the time that it happens, like that. you'd you'd want to be able to just drive home at that moment. So I feel bad for Andrade and uh the one thing I will always say we can always 
say the WWE is great at is I know they're going to give Andrade as much time as he needs. Oh, hell yeah. In the news, Velveteen Dream. <clears throat> Velveteen. <clears throat> the star known as the Velveteen Dream. Say his name, Michael J. Putty. Velveteen Dream took to his Instagram to defend Vince McMahon against criticism. He has been receiving it as of late, saying, and I quote, let's play a game. Is it fair to critique Vince McMahon? I mean, after all, WWE is a form of entertainment. You do know WWE is a TV show, right? WWE is a TV show put on cable and network TV by who, you ask? Vince McMahon. Evil boss on screen, director off screen. Point is, w- when TV sucks, is it because the actors, entertainers, and stuntmen failed to entertain you? So he's kind of putting the blame here on the actors, entertainers, trying to defend Vince McMahon here and creative. Do you agree with him, or like who do you think is the blame for the current lackluster product of the WWE right now? I'll tell you who's the blame, Kevin Dunn. But we'll get into that another time. I think there's a there's a lot of blame to go around. It's hard to know where the story lies, where all the blame lies. You know, we hear a lot of stories that creative, you know, a hundred great stories and great ideas pass Vince McMahon's desk every day, and Vince McMahon decides, oh well, I'm going to go this way. We're writing TV while TV is on. Yeah, they rewrote Raw as Raw was on the air to account for the. Uh... NBA Finals. Right, and so I feel like that's the biggest problem, right? You're so worried about accounting for everything else without just accounting for the one thing that matters, which is the fans, which is really weird because what the last time we saw the big man say, we're giving it back to the fans, right? Yeah, um, what a joke that was. Right, and, and I think that's the biggest problem. We forget to account for them. I think it's a trickle-down effect, right? Vince McMahon... Obviously controls the company. This is not to say that Vince McMahon isn't a genius. Do I think he's lost touch with the wrestling world now? Yes, because I think Vince McMahon will always believe that his idea is the greatest thing in the world. So the frustration goes down to creative. Creative is frustrated. It goes down to the wrestlers. The wrestlers are frustrated. It shows in the product, and that makes the fans frustrated. I talked about it either last week or two weeks ago. Do you think Vince McMahon is complacent? Like he was a genius. He, he won the Monday Night Wars. Right. That he had no competition for almost 18 years. Do you think he's like all the shitty ideas he came up with people accepted because what are they going to do? Well, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing has always been we were just talking about this. As shitty as WrestleMania has been the last couple of years, what has it also still always done? Money. Sold out, right? So the problem with the internet wrestling fan nowadays is we'll sit there and complain. We'll sit there, bitch, whine, and moan, Mm -hmm. but we'll still buy a ticket. Absolutely. Right? Andrew Dice Clay, one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay said this back in the... Now, don't get me wrong. Andrew Dice Clay was way over the deep end. But he said something very, very insightful. George Carlin has echoed it. Don Rickles echoed it. A lot of great comedians have echoed it. You don't have to listen to the show. That's true. Right? For example, if you don't like a shot of wrestling, which you should, don't know why you wouldn't. Thank you. You can listen to another podcast. No one is forcing you... To listen to a shot of wrestling. I am to my mother. You should, right? But no one's forcing you to do it. You can listen to another podcast. Back in the days of radio, you could change the dial if you didn't like what was on. You can change the channel if you don't like what's on, right? And you haven't been able to do that with wrestling for a long time. And unfortunately, people aren't doing it. You're not changing the channel. You can with Impact. Why isn't Impact on the same... It's not the same day. It's it's also not the same level of Either thing. AEW. It's, it's harder. Thing. It's harder to find the product. It's a, the WWE Back is the on day, a massive that? cable channel. It's been around. TNA was on Fox Sports. It was and, on Spike TV. And people also color the rest of wrestling based on the WWE. Because mm-hmm. all they know is the WWE. It's true. 
right? So all of that, oh, TNA are going to be just as bad as the WWE, whatever. Or you get those people who think wrestling's fake, right? Mm-hmm. And they come up and say, well, wrestling's fake. And they watch you watch, you see you watching wrestling. Oh, well, that's already fake. Well, why do you think it's fake? Oh, WWF. And it's, come on, man. Like, seriously. Yeah. But I think that's the biggest problem, right? Vince has gotten to that point where it's just like, literally, I feel like Vince looks at everybody and says, well, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. Like. What are they going to do? Right? Like, and that's, that's the biggest problem is there's no one that's been, you know, and I'm going to go like full, like censure here. Like, no one's fucked with Vince's money. Nobody has even come close. And that's the issue. You want to start getting change in the WWE? Start fucking with the man's money. Because when WCW fucked with his money, what happened? We got the Attitude Era, which many people to this day consider to be the greatest era in professional wrestling in, in the last 20, 30 years. Yep. Right? You fucked with Vince's money, and Vince gave you... When, when, when he thought the territories were going to fuck with his money, what did he do? He bought them out. Yeah. And he brought all the great guys from the territories into the WWF. Right when WCW fucked with his money, he changed his product so that fans were so rabidly for the WWF. So wasn't AEW kind of poking the bear here? They wake, are, wake and that's a off. good thing. Wake Vince off and see what that happens. is a good thing, right? Because here's the thing: I don't like to look at wrestling as one ship, one ship sinks and one ship floats. I like to think that a rising tide raises all ships. Well said. Right. So if AEW is doing well. The WWE is either going to adapt or their money's going to get fucked with, right? So I don't think Vince is going to let his money get fucked with. Nope. Right? So Vince will do what? He will move forward. He will adapt. And he will, be, he will start showing you exactly why he's able to do what he's able to do. But for a long, long time, Vince hasn't had to worry about that. Vince maybe still even won't. And here's the fucked up thing about it. Even with AEW possibly fucking with Vince's money for a while, you probably won't see Vince change too much. And here's why. He's got a Buku money deal coming from Fox. Yeah, well said. Right? So he can sit back and lose money and not really lose money. True. Right? He's hoping to be profitable with the XFL. He already put like $100 million into it. Right? And he's expecting some kind of payback from it. You know, he's already got TV deals for the XFL. Yep, big one. Right? So there are things that Vince has been able to do because there hasn't been any competition. So I'm interested to see... How quickly things change in on the main roster. We were talking about this earlier about how the TV tapings out on NXT this past week, which lead us into NXT yeah. Takeover Toronto. That apparently the uh, the report was that the creative team in NXT was super duper psyched for what the last set of TV tapings were going to produce because, in their words, they went all out. Mm-hmm. Right? They know what it is. Mm-hmm. They know the pressure that's on them. I don't think Vince feels that yet. Yet. And that's the key word. Yet. Wait uh, October. Again, you want to change the WWE, you want to change anything that makes money, stop giving it money. Right? People aren't doing that yet. Right? And when people start doing that, then then we'll see how things change. Speaking of changing the game, Alberto Del Rio and Chavo Guerrero launched their own wrestling promotion down in Mexico. Nacion, Lucha, Libre. Well done. I fucking nailed that. Nice. There you go. The new promotion was announced via press conference this past Tuesday. It will host its first show in Mexico City on July 11th. Now, not only Del, Del Rio and Guerrero, the several former WWE superstars have signed to the brand, including MVP, Ricardo Rodriguez. Del Rio has hinted signing a couple of current W talent. So why aren't people losing their shit about this Nacion 
as they are with AEW. Um, Should Mexican like AAA? That's the thing. Again, it, it's it's a foreign company. It's in it's in Mexico. Even New Japan, which had some of the greatest wrestling in the world for years, people weren't as heavy on New Japan as they were with WCW, TNA. There were more people mm, okay, probably. Yeah. There were probably more people stateside watching TNA, and I'm assuming this year uh, than they were watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. That makes more right? sense. Right. Yeah. Even though New Japan Pro Wrestling was putting on some of the best wrestling in the world. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think that's one one part of it. It's a Mexican company. Uh, I also think because... Do you think the Mexican companies are worried about this? I also don't think so, unless you start seeing guys who are in the prominent positions in the Mexican companies probably want to go there. Here's my thing. I think the difference, again, is who on that roster moves the needle? I think MVP is great. Yeah. I think he's a great wrestler. I've, I've met him once. I've seen him at an independent show here in New York, and I saw the way that he worked with a lot of the younger talent. Great dude. Does MVP still move the needle? Right? Does Chavo still move the needle? Does Del Rio still move the needle? Right? That's the bigger problem. Good point. Okay. Do you count all in as AEW's first show? I, sorry, I, 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 I count it as AEW adjacent. Okay. I count it as AEW adjacent. Without it, I don't think you would get AEW. I think the idea doesn't go further than that. Mm-hmm. But all in kind of takes it there. But you look at what they did outside of the management structure, then you get people like a Sunny Kiss who was making waves in Lucha Underground, obviously on the independent scene. You get guys like Orange Cassidy, the Lucha Bros, Best Friends. By the way, probably the biggest thing at, 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 for me at, at um, Double or Nothing was Super Smash Bros. Right? Oh, the yeah. the okay. tag team that people were chanting, who are you? Yeah. Right? There was Super Smash Bros. They worked the States, a lot of great uh, tag team matches, incredible tag team. And for them to now be back in America for, for AEW... So these are th- people and teams that move the needle and think about how they ended their show with John fucking Moxley, bro. Dean Ambrose, yeah. Laying, no, John Moxley. Dean Ambrose, yeah. Laying out Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. By the way, quick pivot. So I don't know if you've been seeing the build for this John Moxley-Kenny Omega match. No, I haven't. And Kenny Omega made a statement when they asked him like how important it is him for him to beat John Moxley. And he says it's very, very important because I, I can't lose to a guy, especially a guy from that place, right? Did he lose to Jericho? Yeah, I think he did. Is it Jericho from that place? I think so. So I was just kind of caught up in that logic. I was like, Kenny. Oh, Kenny. So cute. But he, that's the thing. I mean, look at ROH, man. I feel bad for ROH. Yeah, aren't they supposed to be the uh, next in line for WWE? They seem to be falling I'm going to say lot, this. The and the ladder, somebody deeper. involved in Ring of Honor is going to hear this, and I'll never be involved, uh, invited to be at a Ring of Honor show ever again, and I'm sorry. But truth be told... For many, many years, in my opinion, Ring of Honor has been nothing but a trampoline company. What's higher in the uh, totem pole? Impact or Ring of Honor? You can have a career in Impact. I don't know if any people still consider Ring of Honor to be the place to build your career. I think Ring of Honor is essentially, it's the internship. Can they come back from that or is it their place right now? I think they can. It takes a lot. But you got to remember... Like I said, it to me they're the internship in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. They're where you go to build your name. Well put. And then you go to Japan, then you go to WWE, then you go to Impact cuz you can name a bevy of names on the WWE roster that were the biggest stars in Ring of Honor. Yes. Okay. Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles who went to TNA first. Daniel Bryan, for a while CM Punk while he was still there, yeah. Samoa Joe, uh, Nakamura, who was big in Japan and Ring of Honor, 
Okay, and I'll go. I'll take you. I'll take you way back in the way back machine. Jamie Noble. Ooh, yeah. Okay, who's a ring of security? Yeah, who's a Ring of Honor champion? Okay, champion. Yeah. Oh shit. The kings of wrestling, Cesaro and Cassius Ono, right? So, and then you look at Impact's roster: Christopher Daniels when he was there, Kazarian when he was there. All these people who were huge. Jay Lethal, right, was big in Ring of Honor, but then got bigger in Impact. And then it's kind of he went backwards now, right? But you don't really see a lot of guys say, like Matt Taven. I think is what like the longest tenured guy in the Ring of Honor roster right now. I don't know guys like that. Matt Taven, Delirious, Cheeseburger, guys like that. And so to me, right now, Ring of Honor, and for a while now, Ring of Honor has been the trampoline. It is the internship in professional wrestling. It's where you go to start out. It's where you go to get uh, to, to get your name, get great work in. It's a double A in baseball. It really is. It's the double A, the triple A. And I think, don't get me wrong, I think there's a lot of great stars in Ring of Honor. Of course. There's, a lot of, there's been a lot of great talent in, in Ring of Honor throughout the years. Hell, the whole Undisputed Era. There you go. Is Ring of Honor. Absolutely. Okay. So it, it just goes to shine. I feel bad for Ring of Honor because I think for a long, long time they produced a really, really great product. And then, unfortunately, they decided to put all their eggs in the Bullet Club's basket. Another news, the first collaboration between WWE Studios and Netflix is scheduled to begin filming this year. Oh, great. The movie's titled The Main Event. Oh, great. I will tell the story of a 10-year-old boy who is bullied but dreams of growing up to become a WWE superstar. The boy gets to live his dream earlier than expected when he discovers his secret to having super strength is in his breakfast cereal, becoming the Spaghetti Kid. John Cena will make a cameo along with Bray Wyatt, The Miz, and Shea Moose. I, 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 at three different points in what you said, I was confused and I thought I knew what was happening. So you said that a 10-year-old kid wanted to live their dream of being a WWE superstar. So I thought, wait a minute. It's a movie about Bailey's life. Oh, shit. Right? And then you said that they found the secret to super strength in their breakfast cereal. And I was just like, oh, so their mother obviously buys them bootios. But then you said they became the spaghetti kid, and now I have questions. Are they letting the kid eat spaghetti for breakfast? And if so, why are they not my parents? Tune in to the spaghetti kid on Netflix coming up later this year. W Studios has been working with Netflix to develop new original feature films. I still feel like this should have been a movie about Bailey's life. How do you feel about W Studios moving to Netflix? Because most of their latest, if not most of them, were straight to DVD. No one, watches, no one watches or buys DVDs anymore, so I think this is the next logical move for them. So I think it's a smart move. You know who would have loved WWE Studios? Blockbuster. Well, absolutely. That's Again, they're not around anymore. They have their own section. Yeah. <laughs> the Marine 1 through 7. I'm waiting for that, by the way. The Marine 1 through 7 box set. I want it badly. Uh, me too, man. Hell you yeah. get the whole box set of the Marine. Do you feel inclined to watch? Would you would even no, watch? No, I feel I do not feel inclined to watch this movie. I think um, no, not that this movie. Like, w, you see a W Studios movie on Netflix. Like if you have time to kill, I'll watch it. No, F- first off, because I don't have Netflix. You don't have Netflix? No, really? Yeah, I don't have Netflix or Hulu. I have Hulu. I just uh, I don't have Netflix either. I have ex girlfriends Netflix, but she never changed the password. So the the reason it. being because I don't believe in paying for something when I don't have complete control over it. So if I'm going to pay for Netflix, then I want to be able to watch whatever I want to watch whenever I want to watch it. And Netflix Basically. has a very crappy selection, in my opinion. And so to me, I'm just like, so why am I giving you my money for a crappy selection? Crappy selection? Yeah. A bunch of great shit on there. Um, I subscribe to the uh, the Showbox train of thought. So I have an app on my, on my, uh, on my tablet called Showbox. And I get yeah. to watch what, uh, what I want, when I want, for free. 
anytime. Not like Cody. Kodai is for like the it's like an app for like your fire sticks and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So Same yeah. similar. Similar, but a lot less tenuous. Tedious. Sorry, the word was tedious, not tenuous. Tedious. So the news I got for this week. Earlier, I played you the B plus players earworm that was Shawn Michaels. Are they are they related to the B team? I don't believe so. Maybe if they are twice removed. Could the B team get entrance music from the B plus players? Oh, I believe they can. Be. That would be great. I'll get the B plus players on the show. So if there's an agreement about booking them, maybe do an interview, maybe do a customized piece for Michael J. Putty, maybe Pete Rosado. Listen, I'm, I'm all for it, man. But they have a song about Roddy Piper. That man's a god. Which I want to play for you as well because there's so much songs. But let's start with Roddy Piper. So uh, take it away. Shot of Wrestling presents Cheers and Heal. All right, Pete, we're going to invoke the wild card rule this week. 
Paul talking about Raw and SmackDown in the same breath. Did you watch both shows this week? Unfortunately. How do we feel about them acknowledging the relationship between Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins? Like last week when he got his ass beat, she went in the ambulance. They didn't talk about it at all. This week they mentioned it on air. How do you feel about that? I don't like it unless it's part of something that's already happening in the show. So, for example, Macho and Elizabeth. I was okay with Lana and Rusev. I'm okay with. Um, But stuff like this. Let their personal lives be their personal lives. There's no way. There's no reason to bring their personal lives into on-air shit. Even to an extent, like, you don't see them talking about the fact that Aleister Black is married to Zelina Vega. Nope. Right? Andrade Charlotte. Andrade and Charlotte, right? Leave, leave it. Let them live their private lives in private. What they put on social media, they put on social media, but you don't need to make it part of your, your television program, as, as Velveteen Dream would say. Better Corbin has a lot of heat. Is it because he's a good heel or people are just tired of him? I think it's a little of both. I actually think he's a really good heel, but I think people are tired of him. So I think it's a little bit of both. I'm liking the pairing of Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross. You obviously know where it's going, but... I mean, yeah. It's good to see her Nikki I'm, Cross on TV. Right. I'm just like, I'm glad to see Nikki on TV. Play with Nikki. Not in the crazy character that she plays in the ring. He's like a normal, subdued Nikki Cross. Right. I just... Alexa just needs to get in the ring. And not get hurt every other match. That's the hardest. And be out for eight months and then come back on some stupidity. Like, I don't know. If I'm tired of anybody right now, it's Alexa freaking Bliss. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you're not doing anything. You're constantly getting hurt, which I know it may not be her fault. And I know she's dealing with some concussion issues. But, like, either sit out and stay out for a while and heal up and come back. Or, or... Just go work. Sometimes they're stupid. Sometimes they're entertaining. But I'm enjoying these R-Truth segments. I, I, I have a soft spot for R-Truth. I, I've always told people that one of my favorite promos was his Spider promo when he was almost a WWE champion. I still feel like R-Truth should have even have gotten a 24-hour run. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, as, the, <laughs> as the WWE Touché, yeah. As, as the WWE champion when he was involved in that whole, uh, I think he was involved in a Money in Bank ladder match yes. and stuff like that. And it never happened. I don't like the new 24-7 title. No, no one does. Simply because I feel like every time I see it on television, I, I hear the Scooby-Doo chase music. <laughs> okay. Because that's essentially what it is. You get the same six people chasing after Archer. Mm, like zoinks. Right. Like zoinks, Scoob, let's go. I'm waiting for the day Carmella pins him. I thought it was going to happen two weeks ago. Right. I thought it was going to happen two weeks ago, yeah. I'm waiting for that day. Uh, it's entertaining, but here's my thing. WWE, please. It's okay to not have the title on our truth Like, I'm tired of it's it. Like, like seven-time champion. Right. <laughs> he loses it, and ten seconds later, he's getting it back. Like, it's okay for him not to be champion. And finally, it's the first time back since the Firefly Funhouse have debuted. What are your thoughts on this? I love it. I want to see where Bray Wyatt goes with it. I knew when it debuted, I was just like... I have a funny feeling Bray Wyatt's going to do something really twisted with this. And and it's happened. I just I want to know how it translates to him in the ring. Because here's what I felt was the biggest problem with his Bray Wyatt character. Was that the vignettes were great. The promos were great. The segments were great. But then we never got enough of Bray in the ring. Well, the rumor is that's going to change. He's going to be built as a powerhouse in the ring. Which I'm hoping. And I want him to get a great push. So, and I heard you say the last thing. And I want to say I think you're missing the biggest story this entire week in professional wrestling. Which is? Did you see my boy jacked up Chad Gable making his debut no. on 205 yeah. Live? Heard about that. Telling you right now, future Cruiserweight champion right there. A lot of people are saying this past week's 205 Live was the best episode ever. 
Here are my rankings of the best WWE produced products. Okay. WWE NXT, WWE's 205 Live, SmackDown and Raw. That's fair assessment. I don't count main event. No one does. I really don't. But those are my those are my four. NXT, I think, consistently puts out above above par projects, especially with their takeovers. Yeah. Uh, their TV tapings are really good as well. 205 Live, I think, is one of the best hours of television that nobody watches. I love one truth called uh, Jay Maverick. Hornswoggle, by the way, going back to our truth. Yeah, I would love for him to slip up and actually call him Spud. Yeah, I was hoping either he would this week. Like play it up, like, "Hey, you look like a rock star that I know." Wait, what? Yeah, like you have Dixie Carter's nephew and Dixie Carter's assistant in the elevator together. You think that someone would, someone has spilled? They mentioned AEW on Raw two weeks ago. You think they would have mentioned? And we haven't seen Sammy. Well, we have. I was about yeah. to say we haven't seen Sammy Zayn since. You but, think they would have done something? Um, I'm gonna end. The news, well, uh, the 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 recap so, okay. with a hot take. Okay. So Ooh. when you're done, I'm gonna. You've seen those memes like on Instagram where they're like, "Prove me wrong." I I say okay. this, prove prove me otherwise. I'm gonna say that at the end, and, and I'm gonna and okay, so, hear what you think about it. But go ahead, Michael J. Putty. Final question is: Do you think going back to Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, the Pee Wee Herman host the Children Talk Show, is his character that he occasionally de- debut the Fiend like Finn Balor does with the Demon? Or is the fiend the character we're going to see in the ring each and every week? I think you're going to get a little bit of a mix. Okay. I think it's going to depend. I don't want to see it like a Finn Balor character. I don't uh, because I feel like then you're going to get what you have with Finn Balor, where where he's Finn Balor, he loses, but when he's the demon, he wins. <laughs> Touche. Um, and I don't want. I, I hate it with Finn Balor, and I would hate it. I would hate it with. Uh, I think seeing the fiend, the mask every every week takes away from the Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse host character. What's the point of him hosting this children's talk show, quote unquote? We're seeing this de- demon each and every week. That's the thing. You don't need to see it every week. Okay. You don't have to be in full... Ca- Finn Balor does not have to be in paint and paraphernalia to be the demon. He is the demon. Mm-hmm. The demon's a part of him. Why can't the demon come out mid-match, right? Yeah. Okay. When you equate the demon to face paint and paraphernalia, then you're saying, well, he can't be the demon in other circumstances. To me, Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt, the Firefly Funhouse Pee Wee Herman host, and he is also the fiend. He is both. How do you debut this on Raw? Do you have a Firefly Funhouse live on Raw, or does Bray Wyatt come to the ring and have a match? No, I, I, I honestly think it has to be a little bit, it has to be a little bit like, I think a little bit Undertaker-ish. Okay. Where he just pops up. Ooh, okay. I like that. Like, he just starts popping up and destroying people. And I think what's really, really cool is what Bray Wyatt's kind of been doing on Twitter, where he's been kind of reaching out to his past enemies and asking for forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if you play if you play up this gimmick where he pops up as the Fiend and he destroys people, but then he's coming out as the Bray Wyatt character and asking for forgiveness and apologizing, like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, this and this and this. That'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Your question? You mentioned DC3 a little earlier. Yeah. And here's my, here's my thought. Here's my hot take. Prove me wrong. EC3 should have still stayed in NXT and never been called up to the main roster as early as he was. Um, I cannot prove you wrong. I, th- I, I totally agree with you. He was on NXT for what, all three shows? I mean, obviously it was more than that, but yeah. Apollo Crews, who just got, uh, you know, at the last set of tapings, just made an appearance back there. We've seen Tyler Breeze go back. A lot of these guys who I feel like, like Tyler, I felt was called up at a good time, but I also felt like Tyler should have gotten a run with the NXT Championship. That was the biggest thing. I felt like he should have gotten a run with the NXT Championship. I felt he got called up at a good time. 
Apollo Crews shouldn't have been called up as quickly as he was. EC3, uh, a lot of guys I felt like shouldn't have been called up as early as they were. And now we're seeing the repercussions of that. But EC3 should not have been called. I feel like EC3 right now should have been fighting for the NXT championship instead of being languishing on Raw running around after our truth. Uh, I'm a big fan of EC3. Feel little... free to call the Shadow Rising Hotline and prove me wrong if you'd like to, but I guarantee you're not going to be able to. 619-343-3005. Hotline is open 24-7, much like R-Truth title. I, I thought that was the uh, AEW yeah. phone number. Oh, that's a different story for a different day, my friend. <laughs> Still getting voicemails for Cody Rhodes. Uh, EC3, I'm a big fan of EC3. The little that I saw in Impact. Looking forward to him in the main roster. Just, the rumor now is, I read this week, that Vince does not like him. Vince doesn't see his... Him working doesn't see his doesn't like his look. Vince is totally against him, and if Vince is totally against you in any way, you're not making it. Listen, this is a man who doesn't like Luke Harper simply because Luke Harper can't do a Southern accent. So you see, EC3 ending up in AEW. I hopefully see EC3. I would like to see EC3 go back down to NXT. Yeah, do the reverse call up thing, go back down, prove Vince wrong. No, because he did that already. He did it when he left the when he got released the first time as oh, Derek yeah, yeah. Bateman and went to Impact and became a star. Okay, here's my question, Vince. They're listening, so go for it. Okay, you don't like EC3. Now, why the fuck you resign him? He doesn't want to lose him. You lost him. He went to Impact. He made himself a star. So why'd you resign him? Because you realized you made a mistake. You resign EC3, mm-hmm. but you didn't like him. No, no, no. you liked him. No, I heard he didn't like him. On the Raw roster, because he didn't know who he was in NXT. Because he was barely there for a cup of freaking coffee. Again. How do you think Bobby Roode then? Bobby Roode should be internet continental or U.S. champion right now. Bobby Roode, another one. Bobby Roode, listen, I think Triple H knows the talent. Vince is sitting there saying, oh, there's that guy from this place. Is I will sit here and tell you the only reason I think Vince McMahon did not bury AJ Styles is because he couldn't. <laughs> well said. Well said. On that note, I think we said what we got to say. Anything else you want to say before we move on to play some games? Just play a freaking game. It's games with Michael J. Putty. All right. Thanks, Shane. We got a game for you. Game of firsts. I'm going to give you a first in the WWE. I'm looking for the event and the year. Okay. I'll give you a first. I'll start you off with one. Okay. We were talking about this earlier. Street Profits. First ever tag team to ever win the NXT and Evolve Tag Team Championships as a tag team. That's correct. That was on the question, so I guess I win that question. No, just letting you know. Just letting you know that. (laughs) Starting the game of first with a first. Michael J. Putty, throw the first one at me. When was the first Hell in the Cell? So, Taker and Mankind was the second one. I believe the first one was Taker and Sean. Um... Kane's debut. Hint, hint. Kane's debut. That was not St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, I'm going to say this had to have happened in the late 90s. Do you remember what the uh, Shawn Michaels on trigger match stipulation was? Hell no. Okay. Um, too many shots of wrestling. Yes, too many shots of wrestling. Uh, I would, I'm going to say 1990. Because it's definitely happened in the WCW years. While we're listening, he's won the last two games he's played, so I'm trying to get stump him here. Right. I'm going to say 90, 97. Okay. 
I would say 1990s. I'm thinking and I'm assuming, and I think I'm all. I'm, I think I'm off by a year or two. But I'm. I can't be 90. I, I know it's not before 96, and it's not after 99. Do you have the event name you want to throw at me? I don't. Because I know it probably wasn't named Hell in a Cell because it was the first time that match ever happened. Correct. And I don't. I think I'm confusing St. Valentine's Day Massacre with something else. I think that was the night the Big Show made his debut. That was. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with '97, and I don't know the name of the event. Bad Blood, 1997. Ha <laughs> ha! That was Kane's debut when he ripped the cage door off. Yes. Jim Ross is like, "My God, that's got to be Kane." I I, I think uh, I think I should get half credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The first Iron Man match televised. I think you won. Law Ball. First Iron Man uh, televised. So, was it? Yes, it was. Come on. Austin Brett with, Sh- with Shamrock as a special guest ref? No. Okay. WrestleMania 12, 1996. Brett Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Ah! I knew it. I knew it was Brett and Shawn, and I, just said, I said no. Damn it. I second guessed myself. All right, go ahead. First TLC match. Oh, that's the that's the that's the triple threat. Yeah. That's that's the Hardys, the Hardys, E and C, and the Dudleys. First one took place uh, at it had to take place at a Mania. Year? I don't know because I I can be very bad with years, but I definitely know it was a triple threat tag team TLC match between the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys at a WrestleMania. I'm going to take a shot in the freaking dark of wrestling, yeah. right? Uh, and say. WrestleMania 17? SummerSlam 2000. The second one took place at WrestleMania. Ah, okay. That's the one we all remember. Yes. That's the one that's we, what we all remember. <laughs> that's why I was going to stump you on that one. But I know who the teams were. I know what the match was. First televised ladder match. So it definitely wasn't, it definitely wasn't uh, Razor and, and Sean. I don't believe that's the first televised ladder match. Uh... But I don't know when the first one on TV was because TV doesn't necessarily mean pay per view. This question means pay per view. So then I'm going to go with Sean and Sean and Razor at, at for the for the Intercontinental Championship, and I'd be wrong. You're right. Okay. There was a ladder match between Shawn Michaels and I think it was Bret Hart or the Hart Foundation. Yes. That wasn't televised. The first televised match was uh, Sean Razor Ramon Intercontinental Championship. Yeah. You didn't give me the event or the year, but I'll give it to you. Dude, I got the whole yeah. match. I knew the whole match. <laughs> i tell you the damn finish. So you're two and two. The I'm first... two and a half and one and a half. I'm rounding it up. Okay. The first Elimination Chamber match. Event and the year, please. Don't know the event, because again, I don't believe it was called Elimination Chamber. Uh... Eric Bischoff debuted it. Yes, he did. He debuted a lot of things. <laughs> Some HL's, HLA. Uh, honestly, I'm going to tell you this one I don't know. Really? I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't even think I know. Sean was in it. That's all I know. The brown pants, yeah. It was Survivor Series 2002. Sean. MSG. That's the one Sean, that's the one Sean won. Right. It's the first one. All right. I'm, three, I'm two and three. The first Money in the Bank ladder match. Kofi Kingston, Shelton Benjamin. No, this was the big star one. I think the first one was the big star one. Event in year, please. I believe the first Money in the Bank was at a mania. That is correct. It was at a mania. I would say we're, what we're at thirty. Last one was thirty five. Correct. Last mania was thirty five. So I would say WrestleMania. WrestleMania twenty four, two thousand and eight. Both wrong. WrestleMania twenty one, two thousand five. That was off by three years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I knew it was at a freaking mania. So you were at two and four. Yes. The first Inferno match. 
That was Kane and Undertaker. Yeah, I meant in your place. Was that in your house? No, stop. I missed those days. I don't know the event, and I would say the year was probably 99. Unforgiven 1998. Ah, I didn't think it was a... I didn't think... So here's the funny thing. I didn't think it was a year after to the Hell in a Cell. I thought they gave it a little extra build. Two and five right now, right? Two and five, yeah. Right, and I'm fine with that because I know most of the ancillary details that would tell the story. <laughs> the very first first blood match. Bruiser Brody versus anyone. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I can't argue that. <laughs> right. Uh, um, My reporting has this um, on WWE television. WWF television. WWF television. Um, okay, so if it's WWF television, we're talking like fucking pre-96 probably. Uh, let me think. First blood match. I'm going to assume that it was the Austin McMahon match. Um, I would assume, but I'm not sure. Honestly, won't be able to tell you this one. King of the Ring, 1998. Interesting. The first last man standing match. The first last man standing match. Well, that would be like in the NWA. <clears throat> In the WWF. Ah, come on. Um, by the way, before we get to that, because I'm not going to know what it was, um, <laughs> here's a note. Al Snow debuted as Marty Jannetty's new tag team partner in the New Rockers. The New Rockers, yeah, I remember those. As Leaf Cassidy. Leaf Cassidy, that's right. Yeah. Good times. Last man standing match. Don't know. Take a guess. Give me a year, I'll give it to you. Well, you know what? Since it wasn't... Since it wasn't... No, no, no. Actually, I think... No, it wouldn't have been. Uh, since I got it wrong the last time, because now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't an Iron Man match. I'm going to assume it was uh, uh, Bretton Austin. But I would I would assume that it probably happened earlier than that, because Bretton Austin... I think that last man standing match where Brett, uh, where Brett had Austin in the sharpshooter, and uh, he just passed out. That was first man 13. Right. But I would assume it was probably before that. St. Valentine's Day Massacre, 1999. What? Here you go. Easy one for you. The first, I think, only... Empty arena match. Oh, that was at the Super Bowl halftime show between Mankind and The Rock in an empty arena, and it was fantastic. I watched it instead of the halftime show. Me too. Give a year? I do not. 1999. I'm very proud of myself. I finally stumped the uh, Grand Wizard that is known as Peter well, you, know, you know what it is? It's it's a lot of the firsts aren't super duper memorable. Exactly. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. The first show of Shadow Wrestling, no one remembers. Oh, my God. I, I, I think I have an archive somewhere. <laughs> but even when we were talking about the first TLC match, everybody remembers the second one. Exactly. Every, yeah. And everyone thinks that that's the first one, right? People forget the people forget it. People think about, I think the, the, one, the one that sticks out is the ladder match between Sean and Razor. That was the first one, though. Right, but that's the one that stands out, yeah. right? I think it's not the Hell in a Cell. That was the first one, too, when the Kane came, debuted. Right, but that again, what does everyone remember? Everyone remembers Mankind and Taker. And people will forget that they had already been a Hell in a Cell match prior to that. A couple of them. I think it was the third one. Yeah. No, I think that was the second one. Was it? Oh. I think. Well, that was the game this week. Pete, let's talk about while you're here. BCW Summer on Smash coming up. Right around the corner, about two weeks away. June 28th. Break it down for us, buddy. Well, you know, we've uh, talent announcements have been going out. We have a, a bevy of talent coming in for our Summer on Smash event back in the Bronx, New York at St. Helena's. Beautiful venue. 
you know, obviously, if you were there at the anniversary, you saw Darius Carter retain his BCW World Heavyweight Championship against Austin Theory. You saw Faye Jackson defend and uh, retain her BCW Women's Championship against Sumi Sakai. So we're going into Summer on Smash. Our champions are still champions. The Ugly Ducklings have said they want they want to see tag team titles in 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 BCW. Okay, so you know, from what I've heard, that might be forthcoming soon. Couple of things that are coming up. So. Well, this show will be released after the announcement is already made. So it will break technically, chronologically online before here. But technically, in terms of when we're doing this show, uh, I'm saying it for the first time here. We have confirmation on the main event. Which is? Darius Carter will be defending the BCW World Heavyweight Championship against the debuting savior of pro wrestling, none other than... And the master of death by elbow himself, <laughs> J.T. Dunn. Nice. And, and you know, it's been a labor to get J.T. and J.T. Dunn a very, very, very busy man. If you caught the impact tapings at the Melrose Ballroom this past week, J.T. Dunn was there. Um, and a great, if they if they keep him, that'd be the best decision they make. But I, I'm scared for Darius. I mean, he barely got past Austin Theory. And J.T. Dunn's no joke. Uh, we got former Impact star, May Young Classic, and Telemundo star. If you watch Contiendes on Telemundo, Marty Bell coming back to New York, a New York girl coming back. Faye will be defending her championship. And the big news, and we already have two confirmed competitors, Michael J. Putty. The monster match returns. That's what I'm asking you about. Yeah, okay. The first qualifier takes place at Summer on Smash, and we already have two official entrants. TJ Marconi oh, shit. and Astro Morales, the Puerto Rican wow. powerhouse and public enemy number one. Good friends, but they will have to become very bitter enemies very quickly in the monster match. You have been there for the King of the Monsters tournament the first year, and you saw how quickly those things turn chaotic in the ring. I feel like anybody involved in that match is going to have a story to tell soon. Right. And we have two competitors who will be announced very, very soon. But it is the first qualifying match. Uh, We remember the King of the Monsters will have four qualifiers. And in December, at our final show of the year, we will crown the next King of the Monsters. And here's the thing. Billy Brash, the first ever King of the Monsters, returns at Summer on Smash. And so the question will have to be asked of Mr. Brash. Will he re reinserting himself into the King of the Monsters tournament this year in order to defend his his crown? The last big show you guys had was anniversary. It was kind of ruined by the invasion of BWF. Last show I was at for BWF was ruined by the uh, Satsushin Squad, formerly the Deadly Saint Squad, ruining their main event. Are you guys worried about BWF invasion again because of the Satsushin Squad? Listen. I am a big believer in you reap what you sow, right? And in my opinion, as much as I personally love all of the all of the members of the formerly Deadly Saiyan squad, now the Sasushin squad, they've brought this upon themselves. So is it something you guys are worried about? Or is it you guys... I think it's something they got to be worried about, right? You, Polka Bear, expected mm-hmm. to lash yes. out at you. Especially with T.J. Marconi. Right. But I think... TJ's involved in a monster match right now. I know Eric Jaden will be in, you know, involved in a matchup. I know that the East Coast Syndicate, Dominic De Niro and Chris Bartner are involved in a matchup. I know Rick Recon's involved in a matchup. They've got other things on their plate outside of BWF right now. 
I think we should be good. I'm hoping. I'm getting tired of all this chaos, of all this craziness. It's been like almost a year now. They yeah, are causing and, you guys a headache. Be, be and it is It is a headache, you know, because now we have to worry about, you know, do you know how many security people we've had to fire? Yes, I do. How many people we've had to get rid of because of the fact that this is happening. And again, you reap what you sow, man. I mean... The the former Deadly Saiyan squad, now the Sasuchin squad, they wanted to go out and they wanted to make a name for themselves. And by all means, go right ahead. But this is what happens when you do it the way that they did it, right? They went into companies like LAW. They went into companies like BWF. And they invaded and they poked bears and they pissed people off. And eventually, you're going to get a taste of your own medicine. And that's what they got at the anniversary show. I mean, I feared for my life for a moment until TJ walked by me and said, you're good, <laughs> right? You're okay. And and I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen here, right? And I kind of just want these guys to focus on some BCW stuff. I think the Sassusian squad collectively have already shown that they're a force to be reckoned with. But individually, man, they got some great talent. I mean, Eric Jaden is a BCW original. Eric Jaden could very easily be one of the top guys in BCW. I think they have a very young, talented tag team in Barton and De Niro, right, who could be doing some great things. And I think Rick Recon's a very solid young kid who's really coming into his own. So, again, I think collectively, again, the Sassusian squad has shown that they are a force to be reckoned with. I think now it's time for them individually to start showing what they're capable of at BCW instead of always having to look over their shoulders at who may be coming down after them, right? Let's focus on taking care of some business at BCW, and let's do it. I mean, we have been putting on incredible shows with incredible matchups, and Summer on Smash 3 Fandemonium is going to be no different. Great monster match returns. Um, we have a couple of debuts, a couple of returning returning stars. It was announced a couple nights ago, South Philly's Finest coming back. Oh, shit. To BCW, okay. right? I've heard some rumblings that a, another tag team will be coming back. You know, that we haven't seen them together as a tag team, but we see them individually in BCW. So a lot of great things leading up. And I can tell you, we've got a couple more shows this year. This will not be, you know, the end of the big surprises in 2019. We're six months into 2019. Only our third BCW show. Yes. Yes. Is that you guys taking every other month off? Yeah, try, kind of trying to. Um, so, will that mean there's only three more shows? Well, as of right now, I know we are scheduled to have a show in in uh, in August. Okay. A show in September, so running a back-to-back months there, August and September. And I, I believe we have a show scheduled for, I believe, then also November and December. I think we're taking October oh, so off. Run the gamut there. Okay. And then come November, December, which would actually make it three shows in three months because then we would come back in January with Queen of the North show. Faye Jackson, right? Right. Currently the Queen of the North, right? So I think BCW management making some great decisions, saying, hey, you know, let's give ourselves some time, recoup, and and give the fans um, some time. But I also think what's really, really cool about that as well is it allows for BCW to really be able to go out and get some big-name talent, you know, because... What it does is it opens up the schedule a bit. Do you feel you're at a echelon where you don't need to do a monthly pay-per-view because you guys 
can sit back, relax. Anyway. I don't think we can ever sit back and relax. Really? Okay. I don't. I don't think we can ever sit back on our laurels and say we got this. We're good, uh, especially in independent wrestling, especially in the in the place that wrestling is right now. I think we consistently have to come in front of our fans and say this show is going to be better than the last one. Right, and that doesn't mean we're going to go and we're going to outspend the previous show. Doesn't mean we're going to go out and we're going to get you know this you know incredible you know we're not going to come in one show do Austin Theory, another show do JT Dunn, the next you know we get the Young Bucks and then John Moxley. You know we're not saying that. Ooh, we should John Moxley. You know, we right? could. You said John Moxley. We could. Right, it's a possibility. Never say never. Right, um, but I think we owe it to our fans to consistently produce shows that'll make them say. Shit, that was better than the last show, and shit, that was better than the last show even before that. And I think that's something that BCW management takes very seriously, and I think that's why they wanted to kind of move to this bi-monthly schedule where we can say, you know what, we want to give it time so that we can produce the best possible show for our fans and, and give them something to be happy with. Because I think they've been happy the first three years, but we want to keep pushing, right? Keep pushing. So behind-the-scenes stuff is... You hopped on commentary, got to do commentary at BWF. I learned so much from you in those five minutes you hopped on commentary. Have you heard me do commentary for BWF? Like, you didn't have any feedback from me? Like I can say, because I, I, you have big shoes to fill from the voice of BCW, BCW here. <laughs> uh, I have heard you do commentary. And, uh, and I think... Uh, I, I took your notes. You told me the first night, and I like, try to follow it every time, so I need to follow. I think you've been doing a great job. I think you've been... You've obviously grown uh, with it, I think... The biggest thing I can tell you is just always be prepared and to be as to be as organic and mm-hmm. make it real. Do not make your commentary seem scripted. Don't get me wrong. I take notes. I have notes. Yeah. I have ideas of what I want to say and you know ideas of kind of how I want to talk about people in the matches and things like that. But I don't want it to sound like I it's written on a piece of paper. And um, I want it to feel because it comes. These are thoughts that come out of your head. Yeah. Right. Even the thoughts that you write down, you're like, oh, okay, this guy, these people have fought before and this and this and this. But you want to make it come out. And I've always I said this to you on the first night you ever did commentary. My thought process is if a blind person. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. If a blind person was at that show and the only thing they had to go on was your commentary. Do they feel like they got a great show? Um, How long did it take you to get in the rhythm to be confident in where you're at now? Oh, I'm I'm never confident. Really, never. Um, I go into every show nervous as hell. Um, Doesn't show. I go. I thank you. Uh, I go into show every nervous as hell. I think I do a great job every show in terms of like what I my abilities, but I hate my product every single time. Really? Okay. Um, because I'm always, we, I am my worst critic. Oh, I am. I I sit back and I listen to my comments like oh, I could have done that better. And, oh, I should have. Eh. Didn't need to say that. Didn't need to. Oh, I missed a move. I missed this. I missed that. I didn't say that well enough. Every show I'm looking to improve. Every show I'm looking to do better than I did the last show. I don't think I'm great. I don't think I'm good. I think I'm all right. Um, oh, you're great, buddy. And um, and I thank you for that. But I, if I can be half the commentator, you are. I'll be a fucking great commentator. I think I think you are a great commentator, and, and you're getting even better. Um, and I think that again, I don't. I, in my head, I tell myself I'm the best. I go out there every night wanting to prove myself right. But every night after the show, I sit there and I realize how far from being the best that I am, 
because of how much I can improve. I look at every show mm, as an opportunity to improve, and I cannot tell you how valuable it is every time I have met a commentator. I'm always, I don't care who it is, I ask for advice. I've asked for advice from the commentators from Shine Wrestling. Mm-hmm. I've asked advice from the commentators from Evolve Wrestling. Um, the one time that I was lucky enough to meet Nigel McGuinness, I asked him for, for commentary advice. I want people to tell me that I suck and tell me where I suck so I can get better. Well, I think I told you I met uh, Byron Saxon. I told his the advice he gave me, but we uh, we can be here all night talking about that. Let's continue this conversation downstairs at the bar. Let's sing some karaoke. I get always love when we go to the bar. Before this week, Pete, thanks for coming back. Long overdue. Come back anytime you want. Well, you know, buddy, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to make an announcement, and it's going to be solid here right now on Shadow Wrestling. You are going to hear a lot more of Pete Rosado on Shadow Wrestling summer of 2019. Ooh, very ominous. What does that mean? Stay tuned. I guess we'll find out. Hashtag I said what I said. <laughs> For Pete Rosado, I've been your host at Monk J Putty. Until next week, Putty out. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, ha, ha. But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>